You're listening to the Vice Chancellor's Hour, a ministry of Radio ABC 993 FM on the campus of African Bible University. I'm Jeremiah Pitts, a professor and administrator here at the African Bible University in Uganda. The purpose of Vice Chancellor's Hour is to provide biblical and theological teachings that are an extension of the ministry of the university. Well, we've got a special guest with us today, and I want to welcome James Folkert. How are you doing, James? I'm doing well. Thank you, Jeremiah. It's really good to see you. Good to see you, too, and good to be here. I've known James for a couple years now, and in fact, recording right now from Radio ABC 993 FM in Laboa, just outside Kampala. And the first time I ever met you was right outside this building, actually. Yeah, I remember that. I remember seeing you walk up and thought, hey, this guy... Uh... Looks like it'll be fun to talk to. So, and here we are still talking. How many years later? <laughs> if you knew how much trouble it was going to be, <laughs> you might have skipped that one if you know how much trouble Yeah, well, it's been good. Yeah. So it's good to be here. When I've had guests on, a lot of them have been living in Uganda for a while, but you've been living in a section of Uganda that even a lot of Ugandans don't get to. Yeah, that's true. We've moved to Karamoja in 2019, the end of 2019 BC, before COVID. Before so. COVID. <laughs> <laughs> now, for our non-Ugandan listeners, yeah. uh, which we do have some, you might describe where in the country is Karamoja. So if they're picturing a map of Uganda. If you're looking at the map, then we're on the east side, um, higher up in the north. In an area that's really geographically really different than the Kampala area, we're in a uh, savanna type area that has uh, a large old volcanic mountain. So we live at the foot of Mount Kadam. So yeah, it's been, uh, we've been there since 2019. Beautiful country up there. Yeah. We're up there with our, uh, my wife and our seven children, believe it or not. And yeah. Oldest is? Our oldest is 16 now and our youngest is five years old. Quite the spread there. Quite the spread. Yeah. Yeah. What were you doing before you came to Uganda? I was pastoring a church from the United Reformed Churches of North America in northern British Columbia, and we were there for 13 years pastoring. Yeah, and the United Reformed Church is one of the denominations that is in what's called NAPARC. So some, other, some of our listeners may be familiar with the Presbyterian Church in America or the Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church, Orthodox mm-hmm. Presbyterian Church. And the URC is part of that same network. Yeah, it's a family of Reformed churches, Presbyterian churches that want to hold each other accountable and work together on the mission field when possible. So I was called by the Orthodox Presbyterian Church to come join work with them. So that's what we've been doing. The OPC has been working in Uganda for, I think, over 20 years. So it's not like what I was doing was some big pioneering work. We got to join a work that had already been happening for 20 years in Karamoja. So that was really exciting, actually, to build on the work of others. Like Paul says, too, you know, this person came and he planted and another person watered and God gave the increase. So we got to come in at a time really where we got to harvest a lot of fruit that other prior missionaries did a lot of the legwork on. So really exciting. And when you say not pioneering... <laughs> Of course, literally, that's true in the sense that other people had built the compound and started the work and those kind of things. But for our listeners who may not be aware of what the Karamoja region is like, it's actually the closest thing to being a pioneer as you can probably get in the modern era. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's old Africa, right? You're going back to old Africa. People are semi-nomadic people, although they're not moving around too much, but they're still doing cattle raiding. They're living in their mud huts. There's all kinds of problems with 
malnutrition, with drunkenness, and all the traditional things when you think about Africa and old school missionaries going out into the bush and doing that. That's where we're living, right? Yeah. That's what we're doing. The tale of two Ugandas. I live in Uganda, you live in Uganda. But the two Ugandas we live in are pretty far, both geographically and as far as development is concerned as well. Yeah, and most Ugandans are almost terrified to go up into Karamoja. Many have never been up there. They're afraid that they'll get killed. The Ugandans who are listening know there's all kinds of, all the stereotypes, you know. One of the guys I was working with, he went to school down in Mbali, and the young guys were asking him, like, do you have a tail? Like, does he have a tail? It's like, what is that about? Where do they get that idea from? Where do they get that idea from? So there's a lot of crazy things about what people think about it, and a lot of things are totally incorrect, but some things are true. It's a place where there is more violence than you would expect uh, normally, and uh, cattle raiding is a real thing. And if our listeners are imagining cattle raiding, you might paint a picture for them. Yeah, in order to be a man in Karamoja, traditionally, it would be great if you could go and take a gun or before times of guns, you know, your arrow and your spear and bow and arrows and go out and steal the neighboring tribe or neighboring clan's cattle. And then you can use those cattle to pay off dowry to get another wife. So the more wives you have, the more children you have, the more girls you have, you can give us dowries to get more cows, and that's how you build your power. You know, that's how you build your name. That's how you build your glory. So, and that is still really etched into the heart of these people. It's an ancient anthropology, and it's like living in many ways in the Old Testament. It's, you know, Jacob and Esau and that kind of thinking. So it's really interesting, but very challenging too. So there you are in the midst of it, taking part in a mission that's been going on for a while, but you guys have a number of works to help the community, Mm -hmm. both spiritually and physically, uh, that are going on. Yeah, one of the ways we got in there was through putting in a medical clinic that's been going on for about 20 years. And so that was a way that we've been able to get to know the people, build trust in the community, and really help the people and save, over the years, thousands and thousands of lives through offering basic treatment, giving subsidized malaria treatment, and all those kinds of things. So we have at our clinic every day gospel preaching. Once everyone gets their lab tests done, they're waiting, and we have a chaplain there, and he seeks to minister to the people there. And the clinic is really good, so we get people coming from a large dispersal area. Like, it's really big. It's quite something. So that's one thing. We have our clinic. What else are we doing? You got your church? Yeah, we have our church. Our church, the church is challenging because we have what we call the white attraction distraction. And so when you come into a community like that, um, everyone wants to be your friend and everyone wants to get something and everyone's more than happy. It's in some ways, many of them to come to church, but they're looking for not, you know, the bread of life. They're looking for something else. So It takes time to figure that out. And many of them have come for, you know, physical bread, and the Lord saved them. And they later on admit all of that, that they came for the wrong motives, but they got what they did not deserve. They got grace, and that's super exciting. And some of them are, you know, leaders in the church now. Yeah, so that's really good. Prior to um, the previous missionary that I worked with, he's now since off the field, he had a number of young guys from Karamoja that he basically homeschooled and worked with. Very poor, what you'd call if you're in a city, street kids, but these were uh, real young men who were, they had nothing, and when you have nothing, when you have no work, you have no money, 
then your options are very limited as to what you're going to do. And one of them is, you know, either drink too much or go get some glory by stealing cows. So what are you going to do? So he trained them. He, you know, discipled them. And then those were the guys that I inherited when I came, 16, 17-year-old boys. And then COVID hit and no one was going to school. So we had two years of lockdown where we were able to work with these guys and disciple them. And these are some of the young leaders in the church today in our little village. That's amazing seeing the fruit of someone else's work. You were mentioning earlier about the reason people came versus what they actually got when they came. Mm -hmm. And I'm remembering of the Gospels and Acts that more than one time that was the case as well. They came for what they thought was one reason, and they found something completely different. And the Spirit seems to work that way sometimes. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And so often in our own life, you know, we came to Karamoja expecting one thing, and then we had COVID and a lockdown, and but God worked through it all, you know? And yeah, just praise to God for his, his work here. So, One of the guys who helped you during lockdown was an African Bible University graduate named Boston. Yeah, Boston, I didn't know a lot about ABU, and I was looking for someone to help me out there, and he was a guy from ABU that I had met somehow. I think my friend Okuch in Mbali, he told me about Boston. And I thought, let's, let's see if we can get some indigenous African help with me as a white I'm a Zungu missionary out here. So he came out and did a fantastic job. He came out in the second lockdown, as I remember. Yeah, when the lockdown was coming, I said, do you want to leave? Because I don't know how long this is going to be. And he says, no, I, I want to stay. And so he stayed in Karamoja, which... It's a sacrifice. It was a hard place for him. It was really interesting to see how Boston came to Karamoja and just watch him as he interacted and saw things, how he saw poverty. I remember early on, we took him to a village, and there's an old lady from the church, associated with the church that we've been helping. We built a house for her, and we had a house meaning a mud hut with a grass roof, and she had no wooden door on it. And some of the young guys had built the door, and we'd brought it over to her home. And there were all other men laying around there, sitting around. And that door sat there for a couple weeks, and no one bothered to help to put that door on there. Mm. And we walked out there one day, and I assumed, like, someone would have just put that door, and it's not a hard thing. But we walked out there, and Boston was with me, and he saw this. And he was so angry in a good way. And I thought, you know what, that's how I feel, but is this a good thing? And he said, you know what, brothers, like, this is not good. Like, what are we doing? And so as an African, he could say things that went a whole lot farther than what I could say to this discipleship team. Like, he would say, you guys have to be thankful for what God has given to you in your life. And I mean, I've said that, but when he said that, it's... It sounds different. It sounds different. And I'm really thankful for him. And he helped me He helped me understand the African culture a bit more. (laughs) Can't say I'm a big expert in it, but he became a good friend too. So, Well, praise the Lord for that. And it's because of him and you telling me that story in the past that we continue to pray for a Ugandan missionary to Karamoja. So we're praying that we'll find the right person. And I've even talked to our students about it. That uh, now you have a you have a local pastor there, Pastor Julius. Correct. Yeah. But it, but it is a massive geographical area. Yeah. And the need there, there's no possible way you could reach everybody from your church. It's like not even possible. No. 
Yeah, we would do evangelistic missions up into the mountain of Kadam, up on top of Mount Kadam, and there's whole communities up there. You know, they're not unreached, but there's no church up there, right? They may come down the mountain to the town to get, you know, some things that they need, but there are whole communities that don't know the Lord. Yeah, we've gone up there and talked to people. I remember one guy, they were telling us that he never even heard about Jesus, like didn't Mm. even know who he was. Mm. So, yeah. And, you know, when we go up there, I mean, this is like a one-day hike up a mountain into like a jungle-ish kind of place on Kadam. And the people are so excited to hear the Word of God. They welcome you. And our discipleship team, they always want to go up there and see what they can do. So, yeah, we camp out overnight and see what food they give us. And, um, yeah, I remember one time we went up there, and we they are growing sugar cane up there, and we got up to the top, and there was a guy. He was totally naked and a little bit drunk, and he was ready to beat his wife. They were just ready to have a fight. And we got up there, and he saw us, and he just stopped, and he grabbed his sheet, which is what they wear for clothing, just a bed sheet is what we'd call it, their blanket. And then he calmed down, and then we had a great conversation with him, and we shared the gospel with him. And I think his wife was super happy, too. And <laughs> then— <laughs> Couldn't come at a better time. Yeah, and then later on we found out that um, one of the ladies that helps my wife, it was her mother and father-in-law's house that we were at. So praise the Lord for that, yeah, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, God works in so many ways, and yeah. We met another guy up there. His name was Lochuge, and he had, I think, five wives and over 30 children. Hmm. And he allowed us to stay at his compound, which is like half a dozen mud huts, and really welcomed us in, gave us food to eat. We gave him a radio with Bible on it that he could listen to, a proclaimer. And he basically led us around the whole plateau area up on Mount Kadam, and we got to share the gospel with the whole area with hundreds and hundreds of people. And yeah, they would love us to come up every week if we could, you know, but we're not able to do it. And that's just one tiny area, right? It was funny too, he had this shirt on. The shirts in Uganda are great because all these NGOs hand out shirts with messages and phone numbers and they often don't even know what the shirt says, you yeah, know. Yeah, sure. It's like me wearing Chinese shirt with shirt, Chinese yeah. writing on it. Right. You know, so um It's a good shirt. So you yeah, it's it. a great shirt. And <laughs> his shirt said, "Ask me about family planning." And this is the guy with 30 kids and has a phone number on it. He didn't even know what's on his shirt. And I'm just looking at him. I'm laughing actually. And that guy's, "What are you laughing about, Pastor?" I'm like, "Read the guy's shirt." You know, interesting. Well, he knows how to make a big family. He made one, yeah. yeah. It's one thing to make one, another thing to take care of it. So, Yeah, that's a big challenge. And uh, resource management uh, up there is a big deal. It's a section of, of the world where truly when there is drought, people will die. It's a fact. Yeah. If there's a drought, people will die. Yeah. And we have every year is hunger season. You know, it's hunger season is dry season is ending. The food reserves, your food storage, which is sorghum, which is like a little round ball that they grind up. Looks like corn when it grows, but the sorghum grows where the tassel is, and they grind that up, and that's their main source of food. By the end of dry season, that sorghum reserve is over, and everyone is losing weight. Many kids are malnourished, and when you have malnourishment combined with malaria and poor hygiene, it creates so many problems. So. 
And quite a few people are running around just on a regular basis. They've picked up parasites. They've picked up just normal diseases they can't really quite fight off because of a lack of resources and those kinds of things. So any hardship at all can really put people down. Yeah, yeah, it's very true. So, yeah, our clinic sees all of that on a daily basis. So it's quite something. And then along with that is just rampant drunkenness and all the problems that that creates. So it's a place that needs the gospel so much, like any other place, but it's a very rough environment. You have to be very strong to survive, you know, like the amount of trauma that people have gone through. Um, yeah. We know in one village a couple of years ago, there were four women that committed suicide. It's a hard, hard life, you know, and, you know, we can complain as Westerners, oh, like there's no hot water, you know, we're being tough missionaries. We're living in a difficult place. And it's like, well, we still have electricity sometimes, sometimes and, yeah. and we have, you know, running Pump water in our yeah. house and yeah. our roof doesn't out. leak too much, That's right. you know. Which is significantly better than pretty much everyone else. Around. Yeah. But then you walk out into the various villages and you're like, man, this is another world. You know, like if you're a Westerner, if you ever go camping in, you know, North America and you have everyone in different campsites, that's kind of like what you could imagine life in Uganda out in the villages to be on a permanent basis where people just walk in, walk out of your campsite and everything's open. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's rough enough that uh, mostly if you talk to Ugandans. I've met a few who've been up, Mm -hmm. but mostly if I talk to them about going up, they're not interested and they don't want to go up there uh, because of the region being a bit notorious for the violence and and so forth. So, well, we thank the Lord for the work you're doing up. The fact that you're planting a church up there, that it's a work from the OPC, that you guys are mission. Yeah. So that's, (laughs) I think it'd be hard for people to wrap their minds around the idea that for a number of years, a lot of missionaries, including yourself, have gone to this corner of the country of Uganda mm-hmm. year after year, family after family, working on the same work. And the Lord is showing the increase. Yeah, like the early missionaries, they did the evangelism. They went into the villages. They taught the Bible. We've been catechizing children. And we had another outreach program for preschool kids. So try to build literacy to help them so that when they go to primary school, there have a chance of success. And yeah, so all of that is built over the years and we're seeing change, you know, and they're getting, another big thing is for them to get out of Karamoja at some point and go down to Mbali or Soroti or someplace like that or Kampala and just see a different world. You know, like one of my guards, you know, Dominic, he's never been to Mbali, which means, you know, for our listeners, that means he's never been off out of Karamoja ever. You know, we take them to Mbali and they see a three-story building and they ask me like, do you have big buildings like this in Canada, James? I'm like, yeah, much bigger. Even Uh, Kampala has much bigger. Yeah. Some of our listeners obviously are local. Quite a few of them are not local, so they may not know. The closest town in Bali that he's speaking of is, well, the road's road's improving two hours. Two hours now, two hours on a good road and good is relative. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not that far away. And you're talking about a town that only has about 400,000 people. Mm-hmm. So it's not a massive, massive town. Yeah. And that's counting all the people in the outlying area, not yeah. just the town proper. Different ethnic group than the people you're yeah. dealing with, even though it's yeah. so close. Yeah. And these people have their minds blown by that. And yeah. so um, we're not even talking Kampala. I mean, you brought some guys to Kampala from, yeah. from there, and, and they were overwhelmed. Yeah, they're overwhelmed. And, you know, yeah, it's a cross-cultural experience yeah. in Uganda, yeah. right? And they need that. They need to see the larger world. 
and so that they can look at their own culture through different lenses, different cultural lenses, but what we really want is that biblical lens. So that's it. So our desire here at African Bible University is to train people to know the treasures of God's truth and then to go on to train other people. Mm -hmm. And you've had a very similar mission. Mm -hmm. And you're seeing some of the fruits of that as your church now has fully functioning church leadership. Yeah. They're doing the work. Yeah. But that doesn't mean the work of the mission's done. No. What we've tried to do is say to these young men, we are trying to train a team. And we've really focused on team building. I've said to them, if our team is a football team, me as a missionary, I'm not the star guy. I'm not Rolando. I'm not Messi. Because when that happens, when your missionary is that guy, everyone's going to pass the ball to me, right? And I'm the guy that they look to to get the goals, get the points. And I don't want that. I want to be able to get off the field. And I want that team to learn how to play on their own with success and find out who has the gifting for what job. And so We've done that, and we're very thankful to the Lord that they're getting it, and they're inspired by it. So, And I think, you know, what our focus is now is to build that team, but to build other teams and learn how to do that with real Christ-like servant hearts, you know? So that's the thing. How could people pray for you? we got people listening right now. Maybe they don't know how they could get to Karamoja to help. They don't know how to help your mission, but they can definitely pray. Right. Um, what could they be praying for? Pray for the Christians in Karamoja. It's such a difficult place to live. Um, uh, as a Christian in Karamoja, as a Karamojong woman or a man, it's hard to live in such a dark community where there's so much corruption, so much theft. And you can come in as a Westerner and say, you just need to work better, practice good planting habits and, you know, all these things that we can say, you can just do this and this. And then, you know, the neighbor's cows come in and destroy your crop or the chickens that you're raising get stolen. And you can be defeated by so many things and it's hard. And then you're trying to save your shillings and it's very hard. And then your child gets sick with malaria and you lose all your money. You're back to zero. And it's so difficult, and justice is not always there as people would want it. You're thinking about how can I get justice, take justice into my own hands, and then there's the fear of cattle raiding, right? Many of our church members with the cattle raiding were living up in caves in fear, and we're hearing the gunfire going off at night every other night for the last month, and people are terrified. So it's really scary, right, for a lot of people. And that's not always the news that you hear, but there are Christians in Karamoja who want to serve Christ. And they're doing it, and they're trusting God on a daily basis. And that's been really inspiring for us to see that, really humbling, actually. And we need to keep praying for them that they would grow in God's grace and stand up for him and be a light so that the Church of Christ can be built there. So, yeah, there's many prayer requests, but we need young men to lead in their homes not just produce kids and walk away, but to be husbands, to be fathers who fear God and who want to disciple their children, to be present, to build a new community, really. That's what they need is a new community. That sounds like a task that's so big, only God could do it. It's true, yeah. And God uses weak instruments in his hands. So, And that's the awesome thing to be is an instrument in God's hands. And that's what we see young Karamajung guys who are bringing the gospel, going up the mountain for no pay to evangelize, and women who are leading a Bible study, and bringing some women who never heard about Jesus to the Bible study, and 
they're explaining it to them. And, you know, it looks weak and foolish, but it's the power of God. It really is. So, yeah. It's not greatness as man counts greatness, but yeah. something unbelievable is happening. Yeah. Let me ask you just one more question. We'll kind of close on this one. You told us a lot about your work. Very thankful for you sharing that. But maybe you could tell us just one thing about you and your family living in Karamoja that you really love and appreciate just about the area. Yeah, the area is spectacular. Beauty uh, of Mount Kadam and the hills all around it, uh, volcanic rock, uh, the birds singing every morning. It's just unbelievably beautiful. And coming from a you know a busy North American background, in that way that this place was very restful, you know, peaceful, almost like a quiet paradise until you step outside your gate and interact with <laughs> with things. But yeah, that has been a that's been an amazing place, yeah, to live. We're going to miss it yeah. when we leave, yeah. That's awesome. And uh, having been there myself, I can vouch for it. Even the few yeah. days I was there, stunning views, different pace of life and all that stuff. It really is great. And anyway, thank you so much for taking the time to share with us. Yeah, I love being here. And God bless you and your work here at ABU. Appreciate you. God bless you, too. You are listening to the Vice Chancellor's Hour a ministry of Radio ABC 993-FM on the campus of African Bible University. I'm Jeremiah Pitts, a professor and administrator here at the African Bible University in Uganda. The purpose of Vice Chancellor's Hour is to provide biblical and theological teachings that are an extension of the ministry of the university.